I'm Charles Wiz. And Tony Silva. And welcome to episode 13 of Two Teachers Talking. This is where Tony and I get together. We discuss things about teaching, you know, our great ideas, um, terrible ideas, things that still confuse us, which is a lot for me, and other stuff that maybe teachers don't talk about. And today we're going to be talking about, and Tony, this is kind of a, a little bit of a continuation from last week. Yeah, it's part two, because last week we talked about the interviewee, and, and now we're on week, the other side. And this week, we're talking about what it's like to be sitting on the other side of the table interviewing somebody and what it feels like, what we're looking at, what's happening when there's eight or nine people across from you as a group interview and what happens when it's an individual interview. And hopefully, we'll be able to help people get an idea and maybe help them in this hiring season, which is now officially in full gear, right? Yeah, it's, this is the time. Where should we begin, Tony? So I think, uh, well, just in, in general, I think this is something that you said that, that you didn't like interviewing people. You thought it was awful, if I remember correctly. Is that you? I well, I don't. En- I enjoy interviewing, but I don't like being the interviewer. Right? Exactly. Uh, see, I much prefer being the interviewer than the interviewee. Uh, well, actually, no. Let me rephrase. I don't <laughs> mind interviewing people, but uh-huh. I hate choosing when I haven't gotten any clear indicators about the person. Uh, I see. I see. Yeah. I yeah, mean, it was a, I'm kind of I kind of have pride myself. I I've in my past I've done a pretty good job hiring people. I'm, I'm kind of proud of the people that I pulled in. Well, I'm thinking that I probably would say the same thing that mm. I've overall I've been able to hire I've never Well, how many people have you hired? Uh it must be about Eight or ten? Okay, so you and I about, we've both been in the situation where we had to hire ten people. Yeah, for me it's been a long time. Right, both of us, I think. But also these were, let's let's set the um, the institutions we were working for so people maybe have a better idea of what we're talking about. Okay, mine was um, a Simongako, which is uh, kind of from a Western perspective somewhere between a, a junior college and possibly a trade school. And uh, rather small, maybe student population of about 800, um, Mm -hmm. foreign teaching staff of about 12, Mm -hmm. uh, 12 to 15, maybe. And then a a number of uh, Japanese English teachers as well. Uh, That's in the the south side of Osaka and um, a place that was once uh, renowned for its excellent English program. Uh, but uh, again, as the after you know, the bubble burst and uh, the demographics took hold, uh, the nature of the institution changed. And yeah. okay, and you were hiring during which period? Uh, the decline. Okay, <laughs> so give us an I- idea. So you, you're hiring um, teachers during a declining period where student levels are going down. Classrooms may be getting a little bit smaller. There's pressure on, on intake to make sure that enough students are coming into the school, correct? Correct. Okay. So, uh, yeah, so one, you know, they get, you got the institutional needs, which is, uh, you know, a pretty face uh, that can be used for advertising, uh, a, a smiley, cheery face that, you know, looks good in the... Um, okay, now in, that's a position I've never been hired for. <laughs> <laughs> I've never been hired for the pretty face. Oh, no, I, but I didn't say that was my criteria. That was Those were the institutional needs. <laughs> okay. Um but uh, the uh, it's a strong, strong emphasis on um, classroom skills. Um, mm. Research was irrelevant. Okay. <clears throat> and uh, what we needed were uh, people with with lots of energy, um, and people who were able to teach really 
low-level, unmotivated kids who also had might have had some socialization problems because that's why they were at our school because in those days it was still hard to get into a university or a junior college in Japan, which has changed because of the demographics. But um, there were also um, uh, programs for university graduates and teaching um, English language at a much higher level, people who intended to be translators or interpreters uh, in their career. So uh, it was required a really heavy duty, um, I mean, for the ideal person, right? Really heavy duty teaching skills. Hmm. Okay. And so that's a little bit similar to what I was doing, which was I was put in charge of a program and actually designing the program from the ground up at a two-year junior college, somewhat similar to the Semon Gaku, but more, um, what should I say, directed towards women, Mm -hmm. female students, and turning into a four-year program. So the initial intake was about 220 students, projected size of about 1,000 students maximum, Mm. I believe, and basically looking for very similar to what you were describing. I was Mm. looking for teachers, not researchers, and people who would be able to teach under any possible condition Mm -hmm. in a classroom. Yeah, very similar. Right. Mm. In other words, I needed people who would be able to work with low motivated students and highly motivated students and low level because we had no idea what we were going to get. Right. Right. And um, but I think the one additional kicker was that I was looking for um, long term. Right. Mm -hmm. I was really, really looking at, you know, building a core group of people who would be able to work together over a long period of time and kind of work in a. What would we call it? A semi-coordinated program, or no? It was a coordinated program, uh-huh. but but, but would have uh, a so lot of loosely, loosely coordinated. I think so. That's what my background for hiring yeah. was. Okay. Okay. Good. So, what do you think? Well, I think the, one of the things is, and you, and you just you touched on it a little bit in terms of like what you were looking for, what I was looking for, is that. Um. When interviewing and looking for somebody, uh, the you really need to do your homework and figure out exactly what the job is. Um, and sometimes it's not just one job. You might you're hiring for multiple positions. Well, right, and well, that well, I, I would think it's considered as like one job, but it's a, a very complex job because you've got <clears throat> the things that we already mentioned. Um, the explicit needs, like for example, teaching skills and being able to handle low level students or high level students or you know, and being et cetera, et cetera. But um, there's the, uh, you know, and the, whether it's specific reading skills or, you know, teaching a writing class, I mean, those can be very explicit and very detailed. Mm. But especially, maybe not especially, but certainly in Japan, there are all kinds of other implicit needs um, that um, always go without saying, you know, the, um, Outside of like what you know, what you know, what we think about in the classroom and things in terms of the institution, what they might need, and um, other very um, vague notions of what is appropriate. So, people who are have kind of that uh, you know awareness or that Japanese sense and to go along smoothly in mm-hmm. in a work situation. Um, which might be secondary in, in, a, in a culture like ours, but which is 
eminent, I mean, preeminent here in, in Japan. It's so important to get somebody that knows how to fit in um, and conformity, if you will, depending on your perspective. I mean, things like you know, showing up on time, uh, courtesy to your you know, the rest of, to the other teachers and to the staff, knowing how to get oh. along with the staff. Um, now, not necessarily you know proficiency in the Japanese language, but um, at least enough awareness and sense to be able to negotiate those situations where problems come up, so that when a form doesn't get filled out right, it doesn't become a huge crisis that involves meeting and me- mediation between the teacher and the staff and the, the president of the school, which can happen. Um, so I mean, so there's all of that. And then there's, uh, you know, just, you know, the notion of basic responsibility. Is this person going to show up? Um, are they going to get, are they going to do the paperwork? Are they going to be able to, you know, submit, write a syllabus, submit their syllabus, get their grades in on time? Are they going to, you know, leave the semester early, you know, before final exams because they have catch a plane. Um, all those kinds of things that, you know, I seem very vague and petty until someone <coughs> starts screwing up and they become a headache. And the reason that the other reason that becomes so important here is that if you are the person responsible for hiring this person, every time that person screws up, it's perceived as you screwing up. So you you really want to hire the right person. That's very true. Yeah. Yeah. So that gives us okay. What we're, we're those are the negatives that people right you and I would look for. Right. 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 Yeah. The, yeah. the, the um, land so, landmines okay. that you need to avoid. What would be <clears throat> indicators in an interview for you that somebody's like that? Uh, well, you got to watch very carefully about what, the, how they interact with the uh, other members on the interview team, which, in all likelihood, are going to be mostly um, Japanese. Most institutions don't have more than a couple of um, foreigners who are able to, you know, deal with the the, the running of the school at, at this level. Um, but you get a sense, you know, you can get a, if you can, you know, observe what the, them when they come in, how they interact with the staff. If you can't observe it, ask afterwards. You know, you go yeah. up to the receptionist. How was he? Yeah, actually, I was just going to say that I think if I were put on a hiring committee mm. now, or I was responsible for hiring, mm. I think one of the things I would do is I would find a viewpoint in the um, reception area. Mm. And be very I would, telling. You know, I would watch how this person comes in. Yeah. And interacts with the staff, and because uh, I think you're right, you know that's a good tell. You know, are they polite? How's you know how are they acting? Do they know the usual customs? Do they know the regular greetings? Right? Right. Do they know how to talk politely. Okay. And uh, so, the other thing, the other two, because because a lot of times we can't do that. And the only other thing, and this I think this will come up later on, um, is that you know I ask them to tell stories. Um, oh, you're one of those people. Yeah, so I said, you know, so um, you've, I, you know, I look at the resume, the CV, and I say, hey, um, I noticed that you, you, you're working here and you're working here. It's like, what's that like? And yeah, people will always tell tell more than they think they're telling about um, their notion of what's right and what's wrong and why and how aware they are of their contribution to the success or the problems and things like that. They'll always say more. Than they think they're saying, and you know, listen carefully, read between the lines. What are the, you know, are they talking about problems? How they define the problems? Do they accept any role and any possibility that they might be contributors to the problem? Um, 
you know, you get you get them things like, well, you know what it's like working here. It's like, oh, bing, <laughs> bing. Yeah, whatever. You, I <laughs> even though I know people who have worked at schools that I've worked at that have very, let's say, not the best reputations. Mm-hmm. Um, I will ask them about that school. Sure, absolutely. And if they go negative, yeah, whatever you do, whatever you do in an interview, never ever go negative, even if you know the person you're interviewing is famously negative on the same school. Sure. Sure. Right, right, because right, right. people are looking for that. So you open up with, um, tell me a story. Well, I wouldn't open up with it, but that's what one of the ways. What would you open that... with? What would you open with? What did you open with in your interviews? I don't remember. Oh, we're getting and, old. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, it's, it's been a long time, and I think a lot would depend on like the the structure of the interviews. Um, you know, are you interviewing this person alone? You know, in in a in a right. coffee shop? Are you? Uh, part of a team are you warming him up warming him or her up for the for the real interview that's going to follow you easing them into it are they thrown cold into you know a 10 15 person committee uh type of interview that's a big thing um when i trying to reconstruct i think when the people would come in they would call me I would go out and meet them in the reception area to ask them, you know, like, you know, you know, about the weather. Did you find the place okay? Were my directions all right? Um, can I get you a cup of coffee? Can I get you some tea? Um, I would explain to them what the, what the interview process was going to involve, how much, you know, this is going to take about an hour. Um, you know, I'll, um, I'm going to take you to a room. There's going to be four or five other people there, mm. this and that. Um, well, you're the, a kind, courteous person. Well, this is an interesting observation that I've got uh, that I have about it. It's like, and and maybe I'm maybe I'm wrong. This is my um, bias or something. Um, my and I, I think we talked about this maybe in the in the in the last talk. Um, it seems to me that the interviews here in Japan are designed to bring, expose the flaws. Yes. And look for the negatives and look for the weak points. Whereas, and they do that by not providing you with information about the interview. About anything. Yeah. Right. You have no idea if you're walking <laughs> into a room with one, eight, or 80 people. Yeah. And uh, what my, the Western interviews was like, well, you know, just give, give, give a person the chance to show what they can do. There's enough, there's enough pressure and enough negatives and enough crap that this person is dealing with already. Let's ease that and let's see more of what he's going to be like, he or she's going to be like on a daily basis. Like you get, try to normalize the environment as much as possible. Um, you want to, you want to push for the negatives. Yeah. There's a way to do that. You can, you can put them on the spot and put the hook yeah. in them anytime you want. Um, but I want to give a chance to see what the person can do. You know, I, I'm kind of ideal situation. So you know, explain that. And then say, yeah, later on, I'll give you a tour of the place, et cetera, et cetera. Interesting. Yeah, I think I've always liked to start off with a question. If it's for a teaching position, it's like, tell me what do you think are the three most important um, ideas you have about managing a classroom with 30 students, middle level, average motivation? Mm. What can you take from your philosophy as a teacher? What are three things you would apply? And the reason I'd like to ask a question like that is um, I I want three separate points. Mm Mm-hmm. No more, no less. I want to see whether or not that person can follow the directions. Or count to three. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it would just be the hard part. Well, that would be me. me. That's be me. I'm, the one who, I'm actually testing myself. Well, it's harder than you think. Exactly. And so <laughs> if you're listening, if you're listening, if somebody says, can you give me or can you tell us two or, or three things, make sure that you articulate 
well, number one would be, number two would be, number three would be. Mm -hmm. And do not go over that. Mm -hmm. Because Focus. that's, it's a trick question in a way, right? Right. You know, I'm not just listening to what your answers are, but I'm also listening to see, ah, can you organize your thoughts and can you take the hint? Because I think, um, again, I have told you the story when I was applying for a job at one university for a part-time job. And I met, I don't think we covered this in the last episode where the person said, well, thank you very much for coming. Um, I, you look very busy, but we're just curious to know whether you would be interested in a full-time position at our university that's just opened up. And I said, yes, I would. And the professor said, good, let's talk about the part-time position first. And be careful of things like that, because if somebody in the interview suggests something and then follow the suggestion, because that's a test as to whether or not you can follow suggestions, which goes back to what you just said previously, right? Mm. That can you follow and work in the Japanese system? Mm. Yeah. So I would start with a question that has uh, with expected number, number of, you know, responses. Mm. Okay. Um, and then I just wait and see what happens. Do you know the Google, somebody was, t I was, there's a book called, Google interview questions. Have you seen this? No, I haven't. Oh, it's intense. It's really intense. Like one of the questions they'll start off an interview is you've been shrunk down to the size of an almond. You're put into a blender. The blender is going to be turned on in 30 seconds. What should you do to save your life? <laughs> <laughs> and I thought, gee, that's a pretty good description of working in a Japanese university. <laughs> I've been shrunk down to a smaller size and I'm about to die. <laughs> so. What other things would you be looking for in that opening? Let's divide it up. I think every interview has like an opening, um, an opening, and then there's a mid game and an end game, right? Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I don't know. It's it's kind of hard because it depends on how much control you have over the interview situation. I mean, you might be the key person. You might just be the 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 guy at the end who you know makes them speak English. Um, okay, but I, let's say it's you alone. Yeah, let's say you were the one person hiring, because that's what I think both our experience is, right? Okay, then, well, well I was well, always I've been on a hiring the, committee, too, also. Yeah, I, I was. I, I think I had a little less autonomy in the interviews than you did. I might have had okay. been one, alone, one-on-one -on -one with them in kind of a pre-interview situation. Okay. Um, but uh, when we did our um, interviews with teachers, it was much more of a, the pageant um, and I don't know how much of that was real or not, but we still had to go through it. I think the actual hiring got done in the pre-interview and in the post-interview with me. Um, but we had to go through the the ritual in, in the middle. Um, I probably wouldn't, I would probably begin something very similar to what you just described. I wouldn't, wouldn't have, though I might now, um, ha after having listened to you talk about, you know, ask about the three things, about what they think about teaching. Um, yeah, I wouldn't frame it like in a, a three thing type of question, which I think is a very good idea, but I would have um, said, okay, well, you know, you've been teaching in Japan for X, X number of years. Um, tell me about that. Okay. This is a, yeah. And I, I, again, um, give them enough rope, <clears throat> let them take where they want to go and listen to what they say, listen to what they mm -hmm. don't say. Okay. Well, here's a question. So, Let's say someone goes into an interview and it's not just one-on-one. -on -one. And also it's important to, if you, you know, you don't even know if that person who's doing the one-on-one -on -one interview even has hiring authority, right? It might be they're yes. sending recommendations. But let's say 
somebody goes into one of these group interviews and it can be anywhere from six, eight, 10 people. How would, you know, being on that committee, why don't you um, try to explain and help people understand what are the different roles that people kind of take in a committee? Because I think that's what happens, right? When I'm on a hiring committee, I'm the silent person. Mm. I don't like to ask questions. Mm. I just really like to sit back and take a lot of notes and, you know, go into full observer mode. Mm. And even if I'm asked to ask a question, I usually won't. But some people take a very active role. There's like the, you know, the person who's really pushing. Then there's somebody who's kind of throwing you all the theory questions. There'll be somebody coming from a different perspective. Do you have any ideas you think that would be helpful for listeners? Um yeah, you really have to well whether you're talking about the person who's getting hired um there's a certain amount of yeah, you've got to read the situation, you've got to like again we we talked about last week about looking at at the uh, the group trying to suss out the dynamics, who's talking, who's not talking and why um how are uh each of the individuals reacting to your answers? How are they and maybe more important for reading the, the the committee, how are each how are the individuals reacting to other people's questions? Um, for example, when I was in the committee, sometimes you know, again it was it was a pageant and it didn't there wasn't much information coming. Um, but somebody on the, on the committee would ask like a, a, a stoop what I would consider a stupid question. Um, I admit I might roll my eyes. <laughs> <laughs> this would be this would be a clear tell to the, the interviewee that, and that the person a, asking a, the question a, is not a key player. Yeah, but, please. If if you but by the way, please do not take Tony's advices. If you find yourself on a committee and the department head asks that question, do not roll your eyes. <laughs> okay. Well, that's a thing. That's but that's a thing. When they, Someone on that committee asks a, a, a stupid question, and no one rolls rise, and you know that this person carries some weight. But, uh, however, again, to, to just talk a little bit, however stupid that question might be, um, as a as a fellow interviewer, uh, you don't turn off uh, and just start doodling. But okay, now you've just been either this person for the job has just been presented with a stupid question. Do they? How do they handle? How do they handle that? And so they react okay. and say, "Okay, so now this is the thing." Say, "Okay, this is one of those again, maybe specific to the the environment that we're in. This is one of those typical non questions." And the person's not doing it because um, there's some hidden thing and he's looking for for you know it's a trick question or anything. You know, it's just simplicity. Let's call it. Um, okay, does this person? Oh, is that person aware enough to like recognize it and say, "Okay, this is what they want." And bam, be able to deliver it. Isn't that that that's something to watch for? Yeah, whether or not the person can take that an absurd question, right? Because that's and what you're going to get. That's what they're going to be expected to do every time they show up for work. Good point. Because <laughs> <laughs> they're going to be working with this person, and they're going to greet them as like, "Hi, get <laughs> excellent." Yeah, right. So I think did you have did, today? Did you have breakfast? Did you have bread or rice? Okay, well, let's go through let's go through a couple of scenarios. So, what would be an example of one of those questions? Now, for me, in an interview, I was applying for a full time job, and somebody said, "Well, you do understand that you'd have to give up your other job to take this job." And I was, you know, actually in my head thinking, 
excuse me, right? You know, as we talked about it in the last episode, uh -huh, you know, right? What's wrong with you here? Hmm. Um, what are some of those absurd questions you've seen or heard? I actually can't see a question unless it's written, so it would be heard. Yeah, God. Unless, I mean, of course, you you're seeing things already. So, <laughs> uh, but there, there, yeah, I mean, there's, it's an infinite, there's, right? So, for example, an example of mine is like, and I'll phrase it almost verbatim. Japanese students are very hard to teach, aren't they? Mm. Like what? <laughs> um, or how do you motivate unmotivated students? Yeah, but they they won't ask those questions. I've had those questions <laughs> asked. No, I've I've had those questions asked to me, mm. but and I've heard them asked mm. in on panels. Mm. But um, okay, so the strategy then is to turn the question in your favor, right? Exactly, and it's just like, well, you know, well, what's the well, why is is that the case? Is that because this or because that? Because you know, is it because there's eighty people? And and yeah, I would say, well, it depends. Why? What's the reason for this problem? It's like could be this, could be this, could be this. And if it's this, then I would do this. And if it's this, I would do that. And I would this, I would do that. Um, but so the, the immediate strategy is ask clarifying questions for the for the interviewee. But yes. uh, again, as as an interviewer. Um, if these things are coming up, then you know you're left with like, well, how do you make the most out of this time where we're we're wasting this time on on the silly question? Right. Okay. So you will possibly get silly questions. Try to ask the person clarifying questions to find out how you can answer it. Um, and what else can you do? What else is going to happen in the interview? What are the interviewers looking for at that point on a panel? Well, um, when I'm interviewing people looking for, um, again, we talked about working in the Japanese environment. It depends, again, it, defining on what the job is. And by that, I don't mean a writing teacher or a reading teacher, a conversation teacher. But um, you're going to have all kinds of other things going on. It may or may not involve some kind of administrative duties, specifically like heading a program or being able to coordinate something or being a what we called a homeroom teacher, a little more responsibility with given students, um, how much uh, teamwork might be involved. So, for example, if it's a coordinated program, um, is the person able to uh, f follow direction? Uh, is the person able to compromise and, and work with other people? Uh, or... Maybe that's not important. Maybe maybe it's in, they won't need to do this at all. You just kind of come in and teach your classes and get out. Right, um, and they're looking for a teacher who can completely work independently. Right. So it's important to suss that out. Right. And then, you know, to what, you know, some schools more than others have, you know, lots of uh, bureaucratic needs, a lot mm -hmm. of paperwork, lots of things, and some, you know, more critical than others. Um, sometimes all that paperwork's in Japanese and you need to assess their ability to handle the, the paperwork in Japanese as well as communicate with the staff. Some, some schools are very foreigner friendly with uh, English speaking staff and all the communication in English, um, at other places that's nil. So you need to get that out of the way too, because you don't want to have to be the one that the person's coming to all the time with questions or worse, not asking the questions and Missing deadlines and missing things and doing things wrong. Mm. Well, I think one of the things, though, that's really true, I think you kind of touched on it a little bit, is that no matter what position you're being pulled into, unless you're being pulled in as a 
for a new organization or a new school or a new department, you're always being hired to fit into something. Mm. And I think that's key. Yeah. You've got to understand that people interviewing are asking one really basic question and they ask different questions to assess this. But the basic metric is, will this person fit? Mm. And yeah, you mm. go ahead. I'm sorry. No, so you're not necessarily again, like from the, the inner, the, the person who's interviewing is like has this image of being the best that they can be in the way that they are. Um, from the interviewer's perspective, that may or may not be relevant. I mean, they exactly. might be looking for something completely different, right? You might be the hottest, best, you know, classroom teacher. It's not what they need. They might be looking for a teacher, somebody who can teach in the classroom, but is an excellent um, materials development there person. There you go. Right. So, but there are going to be general things that fit in. And um, I remember I was talking to somebody about a job opening at one school, and this person said, <laughs> it was pretty funny. He says, Yeah, they're just going to hire somebody who wants to get along with everybody. They're not going to hire, you know, somebody who's going to make a lot of trouble. And I can't, I can't support that. That's what they're going to do is hire somebody who gets along. And of course, this person was a severe troublemaker, right? Yeah. <laughs> Right. And but the point of it is, is I looked at this person and I said, no, I want someone who's going to be creative and innovative. But, um, you know, I don't want somebody who's constantly going to cause trouble. Right. And nobody wants that. Nobody wants that. So I think what's happening is that maybe that it's as you mentioned earlier, that there are things about the Japanese interview that are designed to make your flaws and your weaknesses obvious. What people are really doing is they're probing to see whether or not you're able to fit in mm. to their dynamic or their environment. And um, that's why a lot of those questions, and that's why you can't lie. Right, right. Don't try to tailor your answer to what you think people want. In the long run, you're not doing yourself any favors either. And you're not you're doing gonna, them any favors. If you get the either. job, uh, you're right. going to be getting into a job that's going to make you miserable. Right. So the best example of that is you go in and you really want a job and it's for a coordinated program. And people say, are you able to follow um, a syllabus that's already been designed? Are you able to follow lesson plans and be able to riff a little bit? But are you able to basically 90, 95 percent follow the syllabus? And if you're somebody who just can't do that, that's not your style. You really it grates you the wrong way and you're always going to be going off in your own direction then you're not doing anyone a favor at that point in time. Yeah. And I think also it's better to bail in the interview than bail from the job. Yeah, at both ends, right? At both ends. So mm. um, not only for the person in any of you making the job choice, but from, you know, like, like we're talking about today, from the point of the um, uh, the interviewer, um, I what I like to say, and I know it's not always true, because sometimes you know, you need somebody, but... In general, it's like just it's always helpful to remember that if you can, maybe not hiring somebody is, is still an option. You're better off hiring nobody than hiring the wrong person. Mm. It may mean that everyone needs to work a little bit harder. Maybe someone's going to pick up an extra class or sometimes two, et cetera, et cetera. But um, when you compare that uh, with the headaches of hiring the wrong person, uh, it's not that bad, maybe, because mm. uh, it's once once somebody's hired. And the other thing to remember is once once somebody is hired, it's not that easy to unhire them. They're kind of there, 
Right. And the other thing people need to understand is this is not something anybody looks forward to. Yeah. It's a, it's, right? it's tough. It's this is hard work. It's really, yeah. And everybody tries to bail from the hiring committee assignments. Mm. <laughs> I think, you know, that's just, Oh, please don't give me this. I'd rather get my root canal done. Yeah. Well, say, yeah. you don't like that. I didn't see, I didn't mind it because for me, as, as, as hard as it was, this was something that I did not want to be done. <laughs> without my well, input I, i'm talking in general right? yeah, yeah about the people when we you know in a in a full-time situation let's say at you're at a university that has a hiring committee mm. if when i was at the program when i was directing the program i wanted nobody else involved <laughs> yeah right right this right. is my call i'm taking full responsibility i know what i am looking for <laughs> yeah because you don't want to deal with the consequences of somebody else's decision right and if i wasn't sure then it was nice to say okay i'd like to bring somebody else and can we set up a second interview mm is always a good thing to do but in i'm just saying that even though it wasn't something i really looked forward to um it's a rare thing and this is very true i think um when i interviewed you right uh-huh. we, it was set up and we were introduced you know we hit it off right away right i right. think within like seconds you know we just looked at each other and went okay you know <laughs> well that chemistry thing is really hard to quantify yes 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 I, but you will know when it's it's excellent, and you will know when it's not going Absolutely. anywhere. And Absolutely. if it's not going anywhere, just stand up and say thank you. <laughs> Save everybody some time. This is just not right. <laughs> have, you, have, you ever, I mean, have you ever done that? I think I probably asked you last week. I forgot about uh, it. Well, I, t- I think I've said that there's been a number of times where I wanted really to. Yeah. I had, you know, but you just can't. Yeah. You know, I wish I, I wish I was one of those people. But you will be able to get a sense if it's going well. And that's your intuitive feeling. Um, mm. And the questions people are asking you, um, are they, if they're following, by the way, a really good sign is that when you ask, answer a question and people give you follow-up questions to your responses, um, that's a great indicator. Either they're interested in what you have to say or they've just, you've just dug a hole for yourself. Well, at least they're listening. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. And the, But that is not a negative sign no matter what. Mm, right, and exactly. That'll tell you, they haven't written you off yet. Right. Or it also tells you that somebody is involved in the decision making. Mm. But just because somebody doesn't ask, doesn't talk, doesn't mean that they're not. Correct. Okay. So what are some other good tells What um, to give you an idea of what's going on? What do you think? Well, uh, you're watching somebody and... Again, I, I, like, to, uh, I like to give them uh, enough rope. And um, in terms of you know, what I would be looking for... Um, especially in in that situation, for me, you know, paramount was um, what kind of teacher they were going to be. I, you know, my interests were the the interests of the students, um, and um, I would ask the teachers to again, very open ended. You know, tell me, tell me some stories, good experience, bad experience, your, your best experience or worst experience in the classroom. Go, and you know, again, listen to what they say, what they don't say. Um, how talking about you know we've got we've got good classes we've got bad classes do they choose a good experience do they choose a bad experience to talk about good or bad mm-hmm. um what reasons they do ascribe to um the experience being good or bad what were they trying to do how what kind of detail what kind of examples do they provide um how do they dole out responsibility how much responsibility do they take how much do they just blame on the school and the students that they were given or the resources um yeah, I just let them go and see what they come up with. And if you hear that question, if you get that question from somebody like Tony or me, 
Remember also that the key to that question is we're checking your observational abilities. Mm. We're checking how well you reflect. Yeah, very much. It doesn't matter. The story itself is not going to be key. Would you agree? Uh, absolutely. Well, that's true with words, a lot of questions that we ask in interviews. Yes, is that it's not really um, the, the general details, but it's well, how are you showing your thinking, your observational abilities? Um, that's why I like to throw out hypotheticals. Mm. You know, what happens when you, you're you teaching, um, you're, you have your lesson plan figured out, and you know where you're going to go, and it bombs. <clears throat> Ten minutes into the lesson, you realize that you just... Your, everything about the lesson is off and it could be due to you're having a bad day, the students are having a bad day, or the lesson isn't matched properly, etc. What do you do? Mm. You will get hypotheticals and the hypotheticals um, tell you that people are wanting to see how you respond because it tells about your experience and it tells about your ability to think through a problem. And I think people you know, should take a second or two before you respond. And yeah, there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing yeah. wrong with taking that time. Mm. And there are ways to do that. Oh, that's an interesting question. Or could you give me a little bit more information? Repeat the question. Or or just like, I think as you mentioned last time, it's like, hmm, let me think about that for a second. Yeah, I, I always love it when um, I hear that from somebody. Yeah. Because the person who has immediate quick answers to every question I had. And I mean, you know, I think like you, you know, you spend time crafting those questions, uh-huh. right? Saying, ah, I need to create a set of 10 questions that will give me a clear indication about someone as a teacher. And you spend, I don't know, I would spend a week or so on and off, a little bit here, a little bit there, trying to get these questions, tweaking them after mm-hmm. every interview. Mm-hmm. Right. And somebody has an, a immediate answer to every question I've asked and never says, you know, just, you know, that's a good one. I need to think about that for a second. So there is a disadvantage to being too quick to answer in my interviews. Mm-hmm. I don't know. How about for you? Um, it, it depends. I mean, it, I don't, I won't penalize a person for a quick answer if it's, if it's spot on and it's, well, I mean, some people just fast, right? But I okay, certainly, good point. but I, but I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, hold a, a pause or a delay or a, a, you know, a deflection against a person that's like, well, even as you said, I don't know how to answer that. Um, I've never had that. I've never been in that kind of a situation. I'm not yeah, sure do what I would do. say that if it's true. Yeah. It's, I, I don't, I'm not sure what I would do. That's a, that's a great question. Um, yeah, and if the person, you know, beg more, you know, the time is like, well, let me think about it. Or if they ask for more, more clarification, no, certainly wouldn't hold that against them. Yeah. Yeah. I never hold against what I'm just saying is that there's always, Maybe some people are quick, but someone who has pat answers to every question. Yeah, that's a little fishy. Right. You know, the, in other words, every response is quick. And because most of the questions I try to ask are designed to go fishing inside someone's thinking. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, exactly. What, exactly. Right. One of the questions is you've paired a, um, a high level student with a low level student and they two don't like each other, but you can't, for some reason, break up their pair. And they have to work together on a task for 20 minutes and they're not talking. What do you do? Mm. Those are those questions are designed to see how much experience people have. How do they deal with things? What's their approach? Um, And if somebody just answers really quickly um, and they don't have any experience in that situation, 
I'd be a little bit questioning what's going on. But I like I do I like when people take their time to answer a question, though. I think it's a positive, but other people might not think that way. Okay. What about uh, when you're doing interviews? What about um, trap doors? Some answer or something that they say or do that um, they just give you tells like, okay, this is this is the wrong person. Uh, um, okay. The biggest trap door right away for almost anybody is I say, um, how do you start off your classes? You've already been in the class once or twice. It's a 15-week class, 14-week class. Tell me, how do you start your classes? And if that person does not say that they begin with a review session, that's just a trap door for me. Hmm. You know, there's just, you have to start with a review session, in my mind. And that's what I'm looking for. Um, how do you end your class? We go over the main points, make sure that there's understanding, clarification, give students time to ask questions, and review so that's one of the trap doors. How about for you? Uh, negativity. Okay. Um, whether well, it's whether it's right. yeah whether it's directed. I mean, uh, and uh, more specifically, and, and, and less less so with the in, institutional thing or the Japan thing. But um, if I get any sense that uh, the the person doesn't like the job, is, doesn't like teaching, and doesn't like students, they'll never get hired. Uh, okay. Uh, that, that, that's a biggie for me. Cause if you, if my mind if the person's got that, the little stuff, you can, you can train them, you can teach them, you can pull them along. But if that basic, um, concern for the, for the student isn't there, uh, this person's never going to be a teacher. Hmm. I think that's a good point. Yeah, I was thinking specific questions. What mm. else would be a trap door? Um, negativity um yeah leave the negativity at home if you're interviewing because unless you're unless you're a, even the onion isn't negative <laughs> but, but some people can't that's the thing well some people they can't uh, when when, when you attitude, give them enough lift. rope that you just read something they can just see you can just see it's like right ah this, this guy is this girl's not right yeah negativity is one um a lack of flexibility big Right. Big, 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 and and when you when you craft your questions, you you, you or you, you plan your things, that that flexibility is huge because there's for both a teacher in the classroom or just um, someone getting along in Japan, um, there's no quality that's gonna that's gonna serve you better than extreme flexibility. Yeah, that's and huge. You don't ha- right, you don't have to be easygoing. No, but no, you but do you have to be flexible. Yeah. Okay. Other trap doors, right? So negativity, poor appearance, of course. <clears throat> yeah. Right away. Be, being late. Um, shuffling lots of papers. Mm-hmm. Um, always not knowing your CV and your cover letter. <laughs> <laughs> That's a biggie. When I say something, if you say something to somebody, well, in your cover letter you mentioned, and they go, oh, really? <laughs> um, I think it's the usual trap doors. Yeah, I think the, right? the other thing, and... I don't know. Uh, we you know we talked last week about you know asking questions, but uh, I, I don't know that it's a trap door per se. But it's a it's a certainly an indicator if the person when they do have a chance to ask questions, their questions are all skewed toward um, themselves rather than the work. Right. Like, mm. um, are we expected to do this? Um, do we have to do that? Um, are there, you know, just talk about more about like the demands rather than what, you know, about the job itself in terms of like holidays or vacations or 
or or um, in do do we get paid extra for X, Y, or Z? I mean, too much, and that any one of those things by itself is not a bad, but more than a couple are real indicators that the person about the person's attitude toward the job. Right. Or if you ask those questions, make sure it's not your first question. Yes. After In other words, the, you have the, the, to ask a follow-up. If somebody up, asks me, well, you know, how much leeway um, do you provide to your teachers in terms of improvising on a lesson plan? Yeah. That's a question I love. Oh, that's a, that's a great question. But oh, if that is followed up by, and by the way, um, how long is the semester and when will the semesters be ending? Hmm. I don't mind that. No, no, no. Basically, but if the person starts off immediately with, you know, am I paid for vacations? Or if I, yeah, how many how many classes can I miss in a semester? Oh yeah, by the way, that's, <laughs> that's basically yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. There's there's a trapdoor question. That's pretty much that's pretty much the stupidest question. Actually, have you ever heard anybody no, ask that? No, no. I, I've I've I heard stories I might, from I don't people. Know. I might have. I might. I can't say that I haven't. I don't think so, but I can't. Although. Say that. Although I can mention that um, when I was running this program, that some people had been hired before I got there. Mm-hmm. And that's a long story as to how I got the position. But I remember I was out contacting everybody and meeting with everybody. And one of the people hired by somebody else, and you can tell this is definitely not somebody who I would have hired, said to me, by the way, as you know, there is a golden week in May, and I take my personal silver week in June because there's no week off in June. And I said, I'm sorry. <laughs> and you know, this was a program where everybody taught two days a week, if you remember. You couldn't have a one day a week class. And I said, I'm sorry, what does that mean? And the person says, well, you know, how during golden week, there's a week off from school. He says, I'll take, I take a week off in June where I just don't work at any of my universities. And I just was like, well, you're not doing that here. Yeah. So after that point, of course, naturally, there was just no way for such a person to have any respect, to get any respect from sure, me at that point. Sure, so be sure. very careful. But good questions are nice, right? Yeah. And that's where I'm also looking really to see how much the person has listened. And those are good tells. Yeah. And something that um, maybe, maybe we're kind of getting run out of time, but one of the things that kind of stems from um, the feedback from last week um, and, and the question of... Um, the interviewees activities outside of work yes, and teaching yes, and yes. filling out the personality. Yes. We did and get also, an email about that. Yes. Yeah. And the, and, and the difference between hiring, um, for example, a foreigner versus a Japanese teacher. Um, whereas um, it, you know, as a, as a non-Japanese, most people have a, a little, a different balance between their work life and their social life. And, I think if you're hiring a, a non-Japanese teacher, you may be more wary of the personal life interfering with their work life. Like, for example, and I didn't use the example last night, I hate to bag on you guys, sorry. But uh, a musician, for example, you might want to, you know, if, if first period classes are going to be are part of this person's job, you might want to clarify whether that's realistic. Because um, musicians, a lifestyle, I mean, and, I know firsthand it's experience. It's a lifestyle that I would different. love to follow. Ah, you know, I'll, 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 I'll. I was just jamming all night last night. Sorry, I woke up at three. Yeah, well, a lot of times they just came straight from the gig to work. but yes. um, And that's fine. They showed up. Yeah, Great. Okay, I'm, I'm right. happy with that. But uh, By the way, at showing the other up end, is 90%. And at the other side, though, is that um, asking uh, a Japanese English teacher about their life outside of work gives you an indication of what 
um, gives you some indication that the person does have some dimensionality and that they're not um, just work, TV, and home. Okay. Um, and uh, just one example that I had interviewing a, a Japanese teacher way back when, and he was, he was forced to do the model lesson. And uh, I the question that I asked him is, is well, aside from... English language skills, What can because this is the nature of the school that I was at. Aside from English language, grammar, and so forth, what else can you, what do you offer? What else are you able to teach our students? Mm. And he was, I said, I don't, he said, I don't understand the question. I says, well, aside from English, what can you teach our students? Mm. I don't understand why you're asking me such difficult questions, he said. Really? Yeah. Well, that's such an easy answer to me. Ah, right. Yeah. It's just like immediately I can teach my students how to learn. Yeah, that's, that's oh. yeah. It's, 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 yeah, I did. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh, oh, was this? This is a true story too. Yeah, true story. Yeah, really. Yeah, unbelievable. And he was hired. He was hired. Yeah, he was. He was a. He was uh, a you obviously were not the head honcho <laughs> of that committee. Uh, well, I was, I was there only as as input, and um, I don't remember what the other. The other people um, uh, that he was up against competing with, but he was a, he was somebody's friend. Well, you know it's interesting too. But I've I've actually seen so often. I'm not I'm not from my side, hmm. um, but when I've gone into interviews, that often the the non Japanese staff member is simply there to monitor your English ability. Hmm. That's very quite. That's often very. That's very often the case. Yeah, a lot right. of times the, the the foreigner there does not have much input on that. Actually, how they can just say is like, well, how is his English? Right. Is he clear? Is he? What do you think? And so, but don't assume that that's always the case. Hmm. Okay, so I think we've covered what it's like on this end. Hmm. That you know, basically, you're going to have people who are either looking for your weaknesses or looking for your strengths. Everybody wants to make sure that you can fit into their environment that they're not going to have to judge too much or adjust too much for you, I think is a fair thing also, right? Right. Any other main points? Well, I think, you know, when you're, um, you have to kind of, when you're interviewing people, you have to develop your own, like, set of tells. It's like what to watch for. Um, and I think it's one of the things that you mentioned in when you ask somebody a question, um it's just as important to watch their reaction to the question rather than the question itself, mm-hmm. uh, the answer itself to the to the question. Um, is it are they panicking? Uh, are they are they just trying to pull the wool over your eyes? Are they reflective? Are they do they do they hear the question? And all of those things is to you know watch the the person how they respond to those types of things. Right. Um, I think a good example for is your your suggestion of using hypotheticals and what what the person what the interview is able to how they were able to react and what they're able to put together and and not only what they're able to do but how they do it hmm. yeah right. being able to dance right and exactly another yeah. another aspect of that flexibility right and basically I think that when I you might realize is that oh, basically people are trying to see as that dancing analogy. Can you lead and can you follow? Right. That's what people really want is somebody says, okay, now it's time for me to take the lead and now it's time for me to follow. And that's something people are really looking for. Um, 
And the last thing I really have to say on this is, again, just what you said is listen to the question carefully and ask yourself, what is the question really about? And how can I answer this question truthfully that shows that I am the person for this position? But read between the lines a little bit and make sure that you understand the parameters of the question. And um, I, 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 didn't, I never did this, but you know, the one interview I did, people said, we're going to ask you a question and we'd like you to keep your responses to no more than 90 seconds. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay. I think we've covered pretty much what it's like to be on the other end. Okay. And uh, we've been talking now for a little over our... No, I guess it's pretty much we're at our usual good. time, we're Tony. Doing, we're doing well. We're doing well. Right? And it's a Saturday, which means I'm going to go grade some papers. <laughs> I well, love my job. What, I love what, else my is, job. what else are Saturdays for? Same here. Uh, it, okay. So anyway, we are at um, on the web at twoteacherstalking.com. Right. And uh, look forward to your email and feedback, suggestions and things. Um we that's at two teachers talking at gmail.com right and not only comments and feedback but also if you've got um you know a, a, a hot area that you're in and you think you might want to think about being on the show times get us let us know so drop us a little line there um right. we've had a couple of requests already yeah we're working on a couple for the for the next six months or so um, we're on Skype with two teachers talking. Um, hopefully next week we may have another giveaway or two. So um, be sure to uh, listen and uh, maybe spread the word. Let's let people know. All right. So thanks, everybody. And uh, wishing everyone a nice weekend. And getting refreshed and ready to get back into the classroom on Monday. All right, then. Okay, Tony. You be well. See you.